Friday the 13th. Made it back from Chicago. Year of our Lord 2023. Pastor Wolfmiller here. What not the podcast. Here's a great question on coming from Lithuania about can Christians still pray the imprecatory psalms? Great question. Vilma writes, Dear Pastor, thanks for your ministry. I'm not sure whether this is an awesome theological question, but still, I dare to ask, should we ever pray the imprecatory vengeance psalms? Are we to include them sometimes in our daily devotions? What would be the Lutheran approach? To pray them at the foot of the cross or never? The context is linked here, a breakpoint.org um, commentary on praying the imprecatory psalms in Russia. Thanks very much for reading the message and once again for the great stuff that you provide. God bless. Vilma from Lithuania. Well, Vilma, thank you also for the question. And not only is it a good question, it's a great question and very helpful. Uh, the imprecatory psalms are those psalms where we ask God to have vengeance, to exercise justice, and in his exercise of justice, to destroy our enemies. Some of the psalms include, and by the way, I... Um, Producer Packer, who lines up these questions, uh, made a note that Pastor Jeff Boyle, also known as Geoff Boyle, uh, wrote a commentary or wrote an article in the one of the most recent CTQs called the Imprecatory Psalms as Means of Mercy and Wellness. I'll try to put a link in the show description. I'll also send out a link in this week's Wednesday Whatnot, um, but you can find it if you, well, if you Google Boyle, B-O-Y-L-E imprecatory psalms concordia i just downloaded the pdf it's great um he has a nice footnote in fact the first footnote has is answering the question what are the imprecatory psalms some have a list of 7 9 12 24 27 but here's the rules the things that make an imprecatory psalm are one broadly speaking the imprecatory psalms are one they cry to god and two that he take vengeance upon the enemy now we'll note that a lot of the psalms have those prayers in them, but the entire psalm itself is not given over to that. So the imprecatory psalms would especially be those psalms where the entire psalm is that prayer that the Lord would take vengeance. Now there's two things, well maybe there's more than two things, but there's at least two things that make the imprecatory psalms make sense. And here, here's the first, as a general rule, the the Psalms assume that we have enemies. That is important. I mean, really important. If you, if you do not know that you have enemies in this life, then the Psalms make no sense. Defend me, help me, rise up against me. Many are my foes. They rise up to eat my flesh. They're, I mean, the, the Psalm, when we pray the Psalms, we're at battle against the world and the flesh and the devil. These are our three enemies. The world, which is the sinful, corrupt creation. The flesh, which is the sinful, corrupt me. And the devil, who is the fallen angel, who with his demons is out to destroy everything good, the Lord and his, and his church. Uh, so, so we are against these enemies. And sometimes our enemies in the world are very specific. There's individuals or there's groups or there's systems or there's whatever that is out to get us. Um, 
Pastor Boyle, in his um, in his essay here, wants to focus on six imprecatory psalms, and he makes comment on them: one thirty nine, one thirty seven, one o nine, and fifty seven to fifty nine. It's Psalm one thirty seven. It starts beautifully by the rivers of Babylon, where we, um, there we where we sat down and there we wept when we remembered Zion and they hung up their harps and sing us a song of Jerusalem. How can we sing a song in the land of exile? But then it is woes and woes. And by the end, it's praying that the Lord would crush the babies of the enemies. It gets dark quick. In Psalm 109 too, is a prayer that, um, well, what I'll give you some, some lines from Psalm 109. It says, uh, uh, talking about the enemy, appoint a wicked man against him. Let an accuser stand at his right hand. When he's tried, let him come forth guilty. Let his prayers be counted as sin. May his days be few. May another take his office. May his children be fatherless, his wife a widow. May his children wander about and beg, and so forth and so on. Psalm 109. Uh, so that the, the when we pray the imprecatory psalms, we're praying against the enemies that we have in the world. Now, I think it's too soft to say that the Christian prays the imprecatory psalms against the devil. I mean, we certainly do. But to, to take these psalms and make them only spiritual is to miss that we also have trouble in this life. And one of the reasons why we have difficulty with the imprecatory psalms, I think, is because we haven't had that much persecution. When you see Christians being what dragged out of their houses and killed in public and horrible things happening to their families and, and Christians being mocked and ridiculed for being Christian, then the imprecatory psalms start to make more sense in the context of oppression, in the, in the context of um, unreasonable violence, in the in the context of great human evil, then the imprecatory psalms, all of a sudden, not only should we, but we need to pray them. They're there for them. So when things are going pretty good, it seems like we don't need them. But when things are going bad, then we do. Pastor Boyle talks about how he had a member of his church who had two sons who died, one right after another. And all she could pray was the imprecatory psalms. Now, the thing that is, that Pastor Boyle, the point that he's going to make in this article, and I'm looking on page 202 now, is when he turns to Psalms 70, 57, 58, and 59. And he notes the, the um, superscriptions on the psalms. Psalm 57, to the choir master, according to Do Not Destroy. Miktam of David when he fled from Saul in the cave. Psalm 58 to the choir master according to do not destroy, a Miktam of David. Psalm 59 to the choir master according to do not destroy, a Miktam of David when Saul sent men to watch his house in order to kill him. So all three of these psalms are set to the same tune, which is called do not destroy. It's an interesting point. We'll talk about why in a minute. And all of them, at least 57 and 50. Nine and so probably also 58, is when David is being dragged around, run around by Saul, who's trying to kill him, and David is not killing him. 
If we go to Psalm, uh, especially Psalm 40, or sorry, 1 Samuel 24, we see this in 1 Samuel uh, then 26, is that the Lord, it seems like, keeps giving David opportunity to kill Saul, and David doesn't do it. And that, the, um, um, here's the verse, 1 Samuel 26, verse 9. David said to uh, Abishai, who, who they're in the camp, they snuck through the camp, Saul's camp, and Abishai says, here's Saul. I can just, I'll run my spear through him. I don't need to do it twice. I'll kill him right here. And David said to Abishai, do not destroy him. For who can put out his hand against the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? That's where the, the title of these psalms come from. Do not destroy. Now, now let's just run two things in parallel. Here's Saul, who the kingship had been taken from him. David had been anointed king. Saul was trying to kill David. Saul comes into the cave and is going to the bathroom, and David is there close enough where he can actually cut part of his robes. David is able to sneak into the camp and, again, take, I think, what did he take, a spear, a water bottle or something to prove that he didn't destroy him. It seemed like th that Saul was David's great enemy. And David had opportunity to destroy him, and he didn't. And even more, when Saul does die, David laments. Uh, David doesn't rejoice, 1 Samuel 31. In fact, he, seems, he sings a prayer of lament. He, uh, he's sad when Saul dies. Now, contrast the narrative with the psalm. Here's some verses in Psalm 58. O God, break the teeth in their mouths. Tear out the fangs of the young lion, O Lord. Let them vanish like water that runs away. When he aims his arrows, let them be blunted. Let them be like the snail that dissolves into slime, like the stillborn child who never sees the sun. Sooner than your pots can feel the heat of thorns, whether green or ablaze, may he sweep them away. The righteous will rejoice when he sees the vengeance. He will bathe his feet in the blood of the wicked. So David prays, break their teeth, but David never breaks his teeth. David prays, let their days be short, but he never stretches out his sword. Maybe most of the point, David says the righteous will rejoice, but he doesn't rejoice. And in that way, the, psalm, the imprecatory psalms are the way that the Lord has appointed for our righteous anger to be spent. Our righteous anger, even our wrath, our vitriol, our groaning under oppression, all of this is to be given to the Lord and not to be exercised. Um, Dr. Kleinig, in a little outline Bible study on the imprecatory psalms and caring for people who have been abused, says that the prayer of imprecation is the surrender of the right to revenge. Because we say, Lord, this is what you should do, but it's not what I'm going to do. It's not what I'm going to do. It 
vengeance belongs to the Lord. This is how Paul teaches us in Romans. In chapter 12, Paul says, this is starting at verse 18, If it's possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourself, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord, quoting Deuteronomy 32. I, I prefer better, to, or, I don't know if it's better, actually, I haven't looked at the Greek, but um, give place to wrath, rather leave room for wrath. That, that if, if here's my enemy and I close in on them to have justice, if I go to, turn in, instead of turning the other cheek, if I go to strike the other cheek, I'm not leaving room for God's vengeance, which is always better. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Again, Deuteronomy 32, quoted by Paul, Romans chapter 12. So we leave room for wrath, and the imprecatory psalms, these, these are how we leave room for wrath. We take, we, we take our anger, our frustration, our uh, sense of injustice, the abuse that we've received, and we pray. And we pray that the Lord would, well, we pray whatever we're thinking about, I suppose, that the Lord would do it, but we leave it to him. We leave it to him. So we pray the imprecatory psalms. The answer is yes. Yes, we do. Uh, we pray them against the enemies. There's one more point, and this is really quite nice, is that in the psalms, David will make God's enemies his enemies. This is especially true in Psalm 139. I hate those who hate you with a perfect hatred. So that David says, hey, whoever hates God, I also hate but there's something wonderful that goes the other way around is that the Lord is hates those who hate us. He's our defender. So he comes to us to defend us and help us to be by our side. It's a major part of our prayers. Lord, destroy our enemies. Let all their plots and all their plans and all their works come to nothing. Vilma, great, great question. I hope this was helpful for you and for everyone else listening. God be praised. Should I add this one more Dietrich Bonhoeffer quote? I don't, I've never been able to understand Dietrich Bonhoeffer on the Psalms, but you all, the whatnot listener, should know that everybody else seems to like it. And this is kind of nice. So Dietrich Bonhoeffer on the Psalms, prayer book of the Bible, he says, it is therefore nowhere a matter of personal conflict. Nowhere does the one who prays these psalms want to take revenge into his own hands. He calls for the wrath of God alone. Thus the imprecatory psalm leads to the cross of Jesus and to the love of God which forgives enemies. So you can, you can do with that what you will. What nutters? <laughs> That's what, that was the typo in the thing I sent out, I think, on yesterday. What nutters? Maybe that's actually more appropriate. Thanks for hanging out. What nutters? <laughs> this is Pastor Wolf Mueller here. So great to think theologically with you. Thanks for sending in the questions. Wolfmuller.co slash contact. That's where to sign up for Wednesday Whatnot. DC this week, or next week, I suppose. Uh, deaf Ministry Introduction. 
tomorrow morning, Saturday, January 14th. If you're hanging around Austin, 8.30 at St. Paul Lutheran Church, that'll be great. March for Life, Saturday after that uh, in D.C. March for Life, Saturday after that here in Austin, January 28th. All going to be great stuff. Going to be going to Chicago in February, I think the 11th. Uh, so more information about that coming up. Wolfman.co slash events. All the stuff is there as well. Uh, thanks for subscribing. If you subscribe to the whatnot, that's a helpful donation. Thank you for that. Glad to have you as part of the conversation. God's peace be with you.